Hello and welcome to The Lowdown, Carers Link's podcast for unpaid carers in Eastern Bartonshire. My name is Katie. Today's podcast is uh, the third in our series of podcasts about guardianship. So the first one was an overview. The second one was very much the nitty gritty of what you had to do to uh, get guardianship. And and today's, um, my, my title for it is, I'm a guardian, so what now? Um, so two people have joined me. Uh, Fiona has joined me. She is a parent carer who has got guardianship for her son and is going to talk to us a bit about how she's what she's doing now and what she has to do um, and then I'm joined again by Martin from Season Howie Solicitors who has the legal expertise to to fill in um, if there are things that maybe um, Fiona hasn't done or that and he knows needs done or that he's from his his experience of working with other people who've got guardianship so welcome Fiona thank you and welcome Martin thank you Okay, so Fiona, do you want to tell us a bit about, um, if you want to tell us a bit about your son and why you had to get guardianship and then how you're managing the guardianship process now you've got it? Yes, um, my son regarded, he needed guardianship um, because he, because of his type of disability, he's got a wide range of of disabilities but he cannot ma manage the money by himself and it came about because we had made an application for self-direct support from the council and because he was unable to, to manage that personal budget by himself in order for us to get the self-direct support he had to we had to get ga guardianship in order for that to to kind of move forward so that 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 was the, the kind of reason there so we got 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 the guardianship um it was it was okay when you know we kind of got it but one, one of the first things we realized we had to do was inform the bank in order for his bank bank accounts uh, to be sorted um to allow me to to kind of deal with his money in a, in a kind of legal sense um the bank was a bit of a problem it took them about six weeks for it all to be changed over to allow me to kind of uh, deal, deal with his funds on his behalf. Um, it involved us having to fill out forms online, first of all, then having to go into the bank with obviously my ID, passport, etc., plus the gar gar guardianship certificate itself. Um, and then the bank then had to send it away to their department that deals with power of attorneys and uh, guardianship applications. So all in all, it took about six weeks for that to be done, which meant that in those six weeks, we couldn't access his money. He was unable to access any of his money in those six weeks. So what I would say to people would be, make sure that you have some cash available for, for the person to be able to access while it's take, taking the bank time to kind of put all that. And it was to do because their kind of, their service or their department was down in England and they had to send everything down there. And I think from understanding there's only two people on that team or in that department. So in actual fact, it took them, you know, it was the time that they were having to kind of work that they had to do in order for it to be to be finalized so we so we kind of had that which that for me was a bit of a chore because i kept thinking you know this is six weeks he cannot access any of his money i think it from our point of view it was lucky that he stayed at home with us rather than being in supported living or if he was in his own 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 flat that he would have bills and various things to pay for that could potentially have created a problem 
for the paying of bills and you know buying a food and all your kind of general things that, that you do every week in order to live in your house so um but it was just that that was kind of frustrating you know the time it took for the bank i found that quite frustrating um i'm quite an impatient person and i expect things to kind of be done you know you know not six weeks down the line um and I think the, the kind of what has been useful for the guardianship is in terms of accessing for GPs and dentists and stuff. Because obviously once they reach age 16, a GP surgery, they don't have, they don't have to discuss things with you um, because the person's over the age of 16. Um, so as soon as they, we, ha we had the certificate for the guardianship, we were then able to kind of provide a copy of that for, for the doctor. We had been, we had pre pre previously been in a situation where my son, because he has quite severe heart defect, um, he had to have an operation. And then we went to the hospital. It, it was quite good because the actual do doctor at the hospital had said, look, I'll fill in the garden, I'll fill in the forum that allows us to do the operation because Alan can't see yes i'll have this operation done and we were at a risk because it was heart a heart disease and he had to have a new valve fitted which was life-saving open heart surgery we were in a tricky situation whereby alan was kind of saying well i'm not sure if i, I want the operation and it was like one of those things if you don't have the operation you're going to die if you don't have this operation so what happened was that the, the actual surgeon did an assessment of Alan on the spot and said, look, we're going to take this out of your hands and we will sign the form to say that you lack the capacity to make the decision to have the operation. So they kind of took it out of his hands and out of our hands. But obviously, if we'd ha had guardianship at that time or at the guardianship at the time, we wouldn't have had the whole thing of a doctor having to kind of, you know, fill in this form, do the assessment, fill in the form and say, look, Alan, we are not going to allow you to say no to this operation because ultimately you'll die. Um, so that was a bit kind of fraught that time. So obviously now we have the guardianship, that's not an issue. You know, we're able to kind of, you know, have him having his various procedures done that he needs to have done um, in order that he doesn't just decide one day, I'm not having this and I'll quite happily just, you know, my life will just end. Um, and that's quite stressful having, you know, that he has these things that he needs to have done. So, but obviously the health thing, it was great because, you know, prior to have guardianship, whenever you phoned the GP surgery, they would say, oh, he's over the age of 16. We can't discuss this with you. We have to speak to the GP before the GP will actually. So it was a bit constantly with kind of receptionists going, you know, you know, we've been here all, Alan's been here all his life at this surgery, you know, but so, that kind of helped having the guardianship because as soon as you phone them, they have a thing on their system that says he's guardianship so they're able to talk to you. You don't have to go through a whole kind of talk about who he is and why you need to, why they can't speak to Alan. And, you know, so it's the kind, the kind of guardianship helped there. Well, one of the big things about the guardianship was not long after we got the certificate, he then got a letter through to appear on a jury. So, so that... <laughs> So it was like thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to actually be really. So I just proceeded, phoned the court, and they said, look, send us a copy of the guardianship. And it was Glasgow as well, where we'd got, it was the same court that, we, that we'd actually got the guardianship from. So they said, look, it's fine. Just send us a, co a, co a copy of the certificate. It will be absolutely fine. And we'll just keep take them off in the jury duty. But obviously, if we hadn't had the guardianship, that could have proved a bit more you know, of a problem getting them to agree to kind of him not sit on a jury. Um, so it was just, it was quite funny that it was only like two weeks after getting, 
having this certificate sent through that we then got kind of the jury duty bit. So, um, no, so in actual fact, that, that's the only things that we've used the guardianship for, obviously, for the bank, for kind of health, you know, getting his kind of health problems sorted and for the, the jury duty. Again, there's the accounts. Um, and I think what I would say to people is don't panic about, you know, the accounts, you know, just make sure that you keep you, you, the receipts, whatever, whatever you're told to do. Because obviously when you get the guardianship, you get the letter from, from the OPG and they, they tell you in it what you have to do in terms of from, from bank accounts, what you have to do anyway. Um, and I would just say, make sure that you keep your, your receipts. If you're told you have to keep receipts for everything, make sure you've got, you've got, got receipts for everything. Make sure you don't kind of mix up their bank account with your bank account because I almost almost did that one day. I had the wrong card and I was going to pay for something for myself and I, I glanced down at the card I had and realised that it wasn't actually my card I had, it was actually my son's card and I had to quickly go, oh my goodness. So it's making sure that you don't mix up bank cards because what happened is when we got the bank account sorted, they actually sent a, a bank card out that was for his account but it has my name on it because they told me that if I go to the, so, they, so we have two cards. Alan has a card, my son has a card, and I have a card in order to use it for the bank. And what the bank told me was that when, if I'm withdrawing money from a cash machine, I have to use the card that's been, been provided for, for me and not use his card because le legally I'm not allowed to take money out of the cash machine using his card, even though it's for him. I have to use the card that's been provided for me for that bank account. So it was that can be a bit kind of tricky. I had never, I hadn't actually thought of that about taking money out of a cash machine. But they're saying that you know you have to use the correct card for taking out the cash machine. I didn't realise that that would be that was an issue. You know because prior to that, before we got we got the guardianship, Alan can't use the bank machine. So but if he required money for going out with a carer, I would just go go to the bank machine with his card and take the money out. And I didn't actually think that that was an issue. I didn't think that was wrong until the bank pointed out that legally I shouldn't be doing that. They said, look, it's not a problem, but just so you know, for future reference, make sure that the bank, whenever you go to the bank, it's not his card that you use. It's actually the card that you've been given by us to access his account. And as I say, prior to that, I hadn't even, that hadn't occurred to me that that would be wrong. But, you know, they had said, yes, it, it is wrong. You can't do it because, you know, but he, you know, we, he has learned to kind of use the bank machine, but he still needs somebody. He always needs somebody when he's out and about, always has somebody for leaving the house anyway. He's not able to access, you know, leave the house without another adult. But it was at the bank machine, you know, because sometimes he forgets the bank number as well you know and that's why we had said look about having another account having another card because he'll sometimes go and you're with him and he puts the card in and then he'll say to you what's the number and the bank had said look he really shouldn't be asking you for the number you know if he can't remember the number then he shouldn't be using the bank cards you know you should be the one that deals with the money because he does say you'll be in shops and he'll go what's the number and you kind of so so it's great now that, what's been great is that the contact list is up to 100 pounds and it's really really helped 
folk like my son because he can then just put the card on. He doesn't have to remember the number. So that kind of that's been quite good to increase in, in the contact list because he does forget the bank pin number on a regular basis. Um, so but he doesn't as, actually. I have to say he doesn't forget their bank pin number on a regular basis. <laughs> So it's, you know, it's kind of, it's been kind of helpful, but as I say, we have two cards, so he has his card so he can continue, you know, to, you know, because he should be trying as, as much as much as possible to kind of use the card himself, you know, take my money for the, because obviously the guardianship isn't about, you know, taking his rights away, it's, it's only as a kind of like making sure that, you know, that he can, you know, he should be doing his own banking as far as he can, he should be able to do all these things, you know, it's not about me getting powers to kind of take away control from him, he should still be in control of making decisions about money, and obviously for health and, and reasons and all, he should still be able to make those decisions. But but what, but what the guardianship has done is allowed us to kind of help him to make those decisions and to obviously make the right decisions about things because he doesn't always fully understand, you know, if he says no to, say, a health issue, if he says, no, I'm not having that, I don't think he fully understands, you know, the implications of saying no. For example, when he was having his heart surgery, he didn't, I don't think he fully understood the implications of like, if he said no to a procedure, then he, he, he could die. He didn't really kind of fully understand that, you know, the kind of how enormous that would be of saying no to something. So now that we have the guardianship it certainly has helped that we now know that if he says no to something then we are able to kind of override that decision and say well no we are saying yes but you know we have to kind of say yes to this and it's been helpful in terms of what the kind of the kind of as surgeons and that have said it's really helpful now we're having the guardianship because they can then you know say say to me we don't want him to say no to this. If he says no, he'll, you know, it's going to have a, a major impact on his life. So that's been kind of helpful. Certainly, it's that the guardianship has been helpful for us. But certainly, in, t in terms of for the accounts, it's about you know getting yourself into a, a way of saying keep receipts. Don't throw your receipts away. Make sure that when somebody buy when they when he buys something, that we take the receipt or so whoever's with them, they take because obviously you know it's like you get into a shop, you buy something, the woman says, Oh, I've just put the receipt in the bag. And they kind of tend to kind of put receipts in bags and hand you the carrier bag. Well, obviously for somebody like my son, if it's say, for example, it's a PlayStation game that he's bought, for example, he'll just, you know, if we, we then go for say to have lunch, he pulls everything out of the bag to look at it, look at the stuff that he's bought. And easily the receipts then at that point could fall out of the bag. And then therefore you're then going, oh, what have we done with the receipt? So I would say kind of, you know, make sure you've got your receipts, keep keep your receipts and make and just kind of keep them in a safe place. I bought a kind of ziplock, it's a kind of ziplock um document bag and it's only like in a size of a kind of A5 size which was small small enough just to keep and I kept all all the receipts in that so they are then kept for the full year so when it comes time to get to to do the the accounts all the receipts are in the one place it's about kind of being a bit organized you know almost I'm quite an organized person so I think it's about being a bit organized so that you're not going oh, what have I done with these receipts where where's the receipt for the <laughs> when you're looking at the bank statements and going oh, what have I done with that receipt? I don't know what it is. It's just kind of think, I think you have to be a bit organised and, you know, keep your receipts in the one place, pick, pick, pick a place 
where it's a baggy keep or whether or not it's a, a petty cash tin or whatever it happens to be, have a place that you put all those receipts in. Because obviously we also have a bank account for my son's self-directed support. So we obviously have bank statements and receipts for that as well. So we kind of keep the things separate so that you have the receipts for his personal banking and the receipts for the self-directed support and don't get them mixed up. And we have obviously a, a separate bank account as well. We have a bank account in his name that's for self-direct support. And we have a bank account that's for his um, personal income and for, for kind of per personal expenditure. So we just make sure we keep everything separate. But it is kind of, you have to be, you have to kind of get, get yourself organized and make sure that you keep your receipts and you don't do that whole thing of, what have I done with that receipt? Where is the receipt? Because it could be e e easy to lose receipts. I mean, receipts can be lost, and I've lost receipts of some stuff that for myself that I've had to keep because it's got like a guarantee on the receipt. The receipt is the warranty, for example, and it breaks down. You go, what have I done with that receipt? So I would say, can I be organised mm -hmm. right from from the start? You know, yeah. be be organised. Have a place to keep your receipts. So when it comes time to do your accounts, everything is there. And you can account for all the money that's been spent for yep. the person. I think that's that's a really because it's so much easier to be organised at the start than it is to run around chasing your tail when you finally come to do the accounts at uh -huh. the end. And you go, "Where's that receipt?" And you're turning your house upside down yeah. to look for this receipt. Right, thank you very much, Fiona. That's really really useful, um, Martin. There's, I'm thinking the bank account thing. I remember in a previous podcast, we talked about setting um, bank accounts up before the guardianship came in and ha or before they turned 16, wasn't it? And having two accounts, would that have solved Fiona's problem, do you think? It would have helped if you if you kept your DWP money coming into a separate account, which would be in your name, but in a separate account to begin with, then you wouldn't have had the freezing problem and you'd have had 100% access to your money, at which point you could then transfer it across into the correct account after you had your guardianship powers and moved on. But turning back to the banks, the banks have certain rules and regulations when banking laws, which they have to tell you, it's entirely different from how everybody else actually works in the world of guardianship and in the world of adults with incapacity. You were doing quite right in relation to running his card and PIN number and accessing it and helping him. That's exactly what you should be doing. The banks just tell you not to because they don't like that in practice. So yes, it's not right, but it's equally not wrong as long as you're acting for the benefit of the individual. Once you've got your powers, then you're into a different kettle of fish because you've got 100% right to do it anyway. And it's just the administration of that particular bank says you have to use card A as opposed to card B. If it helps, when we leave our client, let our clients loose after, you like, after guardianship is granted, I write to the banks for you. I send it direct to the department that deals with it. I give them all the stuff they need and all that then leaves is for my client to pop into the bank with the identification documents because I don't leave it to clients. Um, that's You've experienced why you don't want that hassle. The branch has no idea how to deal with it. Usually, no disrespect to them, it's just a case of that's not what their bag, as it were. It is the bag of the two people in head office. So we just write the head office for them, leaving the identification bits only. A couple of other things you mentioned. Uh, the, the contactless and the, having a card where the individual can use the bank account, absolutely. That's absolutely the right thing to do. You're expected to support your youngster to continue to do things as best can be done. 
Again, that clashes with the bank a little bit, but don't be fussed with the bank. Your priority is your child and how you deal with things to support your child. You continue to do that. Contactless, you get the apps these days on your bank phone banking, whereby you can control the amount of the contactless that you're able to use. You've got a wee, you can put it up or down to suit. When you're dealing with a young adult, might be wise to keep that below the maximum level on the basis that you can then control it in cases the degree of manipulation by anybody. What we usually suggest is we have one account for your youngster to use directly, then the other money account where all the money goes into, and in your case, you'd have a third account for the, the self-directed support things. That way, you control the money that goes into your youngster's account. You control the contacts as limits, so he can't be, if you like, abused, manipulated, and have a whole lot of money disappear at the one time. And that way, you're protecting supervising and being responsible. So that so that would be this, a suggestion that we always get, uh, give to people. But you absolutely support the PIN number. That's I, I wouldn't be too fussed with the bank on that. They're trying to protect your youngster from other people overhearing and then stealing it, which I understand. So that's a wee practical thing on that. Okay. Uh, and as far as the medical side of things, yes, common, absolutely absolutely common thing you can't get past the iron front of the receptionist under any way shape or form uh, usually that's just how it works and yes the doctors can sign certain forms if they are satisfied some doctors are better at it than others i've got other clients who've come to me in a similar scenario to you whereby the doctor says actually i'm not signing this one i want to have those guardianship powers before i'm willing to do this because it's a bit more of an elective option as opposed to you have to do it Whereas if it's a have to do something, they're usually a lot more comfortable about it because doctors can do things anyway. If you have to do things, that's that, that's that's what they do. So they're usually a bit more comfortable about all of that. But that's, that's the thoughts I have on what, uh, on what you pointed out there. There are some other things just to remind people out there that uh, there's very little help in relation to the bookkeeping. But my understanding of the bookkeeping, and I don't think you quite covered that, was what actually did you have to give them? That might be something people would be interested in. All right, so um, what I had to give them, obviously you get sent a form from the OPG, which which you fill in. The things I had to send them was, I had to send them the receipts for a whole year, for the 12 months, to send them the bank statements for the 12 months. And I also had to send the, the letters of, from the DWP for his benefits as well. You didn't have to send all the receipts, though, did you? Yeah, well, I had to, I sent I sent them all. I wasn't sure how much of the receipts they wanted, so they said it was it was everything over the over a hundred pounds. So I just sent the receipts. I kind of put put them in order and sent them. I'm not sure if they were too happy when they may not have been that happy when they opened this envelope with all these receipts inside the envelope. But I thought, you know, I'll just send them, and if it's wrong, then I'll know for next time. Usually what they'll do is they look through the bank statements for unusual transactions, such as Amazon payments or anything that doesn't really fit in with the lifestyle of the youngster that you're talking about. And they also look for large payments out. If you've got lots of cash withdrawals, you can be sure they'll be asking questions about that, which is why I certainly don't recommend doing cash withdrawals unless you can help it. And if you are doing cash withdrawals because it's quite right to support your youngster in drawing cash out so they can spend it, then that's why if you run that in a separate account, which is called the pocket money count or something, OPG are a lot more comfortable with that because it's a small amount in cash for a particular purpose, as opposed to seeing a whole great £250 pulled out 
once a week for what exactly, then they absolutely would want a whole pile of receipts coming your way. A couple of other practical things. The, did you have to pay the insurance bond, the bond of Cation, or did Glasgow Sheriff Court dispense with that for you? I think they must have dispensed with that because I don't. I, the, only, the only payment that we made was for the advice and assistance at the very start of the uh, the guardianship application. After that, we didn't pay anything after that. Yeah, where you have a small amount in the estate, which clearly you have, it's not a large amount of money. In those circumstances, it's possible to be exempted from the annual charges that the OPG would impose. And also sometimes the court will let you away with the requirement to run an insurance policy to protect your youngster from you defrauding your youngster. The insurance policy ranges from £11 to maybe £50 or a year, depending upon what's there. Some people get away with that, some people don't. It very much depends upon the sheriff who deals with the case at the time. It's rare these days to have it completely dispensed with, but sometimes they do. Just depends on, on the circumstances. But it's interesting that you that you manage not to have to do that. Yeah, unfortunately, there's not a lot of support out there when you reach the accounting stage, as I think you discovered. The, whichever solicitor you get that runs the application for you, the way solicitors are paid for by the Legal Aid Board because Legal Aid Board funds the vast majority, if not all. You had something to pay at the start, which is what you referred to, and that's the same for lots of people, depending upon the circumstances. But the second part is all free and you don't pay anything. In the middle of that, the Legal Aid Board, to pick up the bill, if you like, for the state, won't pay for us to advise clients how to do the bookkeeping. They won't pay for us to help them at that stage. They just don't. And what's worse is you can't say, well, that's okay. I'll pay you to help me. You're not allowed to do that either because the Office of the Public Guardian would simply strike that off and say, no, that's your job. You can do that. You're supposed to do that. You can't be paying someone else to do it. And as it happens, you are actually allowed to pay yourself for running the guardianship in certain circumstances, although that doesn't often happen for youngsters. It's usually if you're dealing with granny's money and granny's got a lot of money floating around and you're having to be a little bit more active about it. You didn't have to get any financial advice because you were dealing with a small amount, but if you're dealing with larger amounts, they would expect you to speak with some financial advisor. And what we find is they usually charge about £250 to give you a certificate saying, I've, I've given the advice to spend a small amount on this and a small amount on that, keep the cash accessible, and various practical things. But when you've got a small amount, no one really worries about that. Okay. If that's all I've got to say about the practicality, but there are a few wrap-up things, if that's okay, Katie. Yep, that's I can, fine. I can yep. deal with that. Yep. From, a, from a wrapping up perspective, once you have your powers in place, uh, as you do, Fiona, it's possible at any time to change certain aspects of it to reflect additional requirements that there may exist for your youngster and of course to renew it because you're usually you won't be granted it indefinitely usually you have to come back at a future date yours might have been three or five years when do you have to come back you've got five years it depends again which court which area which sheriff varies between three and five you have to come back and when you come back you have to go through an accelerated version but it's more or less the same process different number of reports and you get there in the end but if you have to change it in any way, for example, you might want to add on a joint guardian or you might want to add on a substitute guardian or you might want to take someone off. All of these things can be done at any point 
but they're usually dealt with in renewals for very practical reasons to do with when it's at a renewal, it's the same legal aid rules. It basically says it's almost all funded free. Whereas if you do it at other times, it may not be funded free depending upon how much money is in the kitty. And the other thing which is fairly acute these days are the powers that you were originally granted may or may not deal with certain internet access issues, which are becoming much more prevalent and the court's becoming much more aware of. So if you didn't have that particular power first time around, then people are adding that in second time around. And all you do is you not only renew it, but you vary it and you throw in that additional power just to be more specific, to be clear about what you're actually doing. And that's the practicalities, I suppose. Other things, if not so much with youngsters, clearly, but when you're dealing with oldsters, you would be looking to use your powers to buy funeral plans and things, because the reality is if it's for granny and granny's 90-odds, granny might not be lasting much longer, as they say. So in those circumstances, it's a useful exercise to get the funeral plan sorted out. As long as you pick a reputable funeral company that's covered by all the various protections, unlike the one that's currently gone down the tubes fairly recently, eh, you have to be careful about those sorts of things as well. So those are practical realities for people to do. Apart from anything else, it makes sure that it keeps the adult's money below the benefit exclusion limits because there's no point building up money for someone which effectively is then going to be refunded back to the state potentially at some future date. And essentially the only things that are remaining, which don't apply to your case because you're just dealing with your youngster, but if you happen to have someone who owned a house, once guardianship is granted, if it's granny again, if guardianship's granted for granny, then you have to attach your guardianship document onto the title deeds for granny. And that's a process that the solicitor would do for you because you are allowed to do that and pay the solicitor for it. You don't do that yourself, that's allowed. In the same way that once you get guardianship granted, if you have to come back to get solicitor to do stuff and there's a bit of a payment required at the beginning, you're allowed to do that without any difficulties at all because that's a legal service that's being provided as opposed to helping you with your books, which is not a legal service. So that wouldn't be required. And when do you come back to someone to start the renewal process? Currently, the renewal dates are all put back by about, well, basically by about 200 or 280 odd days because of the COVID legislation. But usually you have to have your court application paper lodged on or before the date it expires. So if you're told it expires tomorrow, you'd have to have it all in by today essentially. You might get away with tomorrow, but we always say the day before. That way, your powers continue even though you've passed your expiry date, because the law says that once you've lodged your application to renew, you can continue to operate, no problem at all, until the court gets round to finalising the renewal process. Always do the renewal, start the renewal, usually six months before your expiry date. That's what I would recommend, because you have to go into the same queue you have to wait for the person to be allocated again because it might not be the same person depending upon which council you're operating from. And then you have to go through one medical report this time, not the two. But those are the only additional things I would say. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, we did have some questions sent in. However, we have been chatting for nearly half an hour now. So I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll draw this conversation to a close but I will put into the show notes, I will try and get answers to the questions that, that people sent in so that um, if you want to look at that and, and find the answers or not, one of the questions 
we can't really answer, but I will put an answer there anyway. Um, so it's now to say thank you very much to, to Fiona for sharing her experiences. Thank you. And to Martin for sharing his expertise. I think I would hope that anyone who, who listens to all three of these will certainly have a much better idea of, of what they need to do and, and how to keep themselves right and hopefully take some of the stress that there can be out of caring for someone and, and, and applying for guardianship. So thank you, Martin. Thank you. Um, and I will draw the conversation to a close now. For those of you who are regular listeners to our podcast, the next podcast that we're planning is one of what we call our office banter podcasts. So we'll have the Carers Link staff chatting and the, the theme of our next one is, is holidays. So we'll be chatting about, as everyone's started to think about their summer holidays, we'll be chatting about holidays, good and bad and, and indifferent. So I look forward to speaking to you again then. Um, so thank you and goodbye.